Good morning, Flagler County. This is Danielle Anderson, your host of Lifeline, the radio show connecting you to positivity here in our community. And we have some very special guests this week in the show. Um, I was fortunate enough to interview them the other night when they were doing uh, a vigil for overdose awareness and um, just talking to them. It made me realize that there just isn't enough information about what they do here. And um, really, really pleased to have you guys here uh, for the Drug Court Foundation. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having us. It's important that as often as we can to get information out to the community and, and shows like this are perfect for it. We thank you, Danielle. Well, so if you will, people who don't know you, tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Mike Feldbauer. I am a volunteer member of our Flagler County Drug Court and the president of the Drug Court Foundation. Drug Court Foundation is a nonprofit organization. It was formed back in 2009 to help the people in the Drug Court program with things the court can't help them with. We help them with education. We help them with job training. We help them with all kinds of little stuff that, to take some of the burden off them so they can concentrate on their recovery. And since that time, we've expanded into the community. Uh, as you know, that we were the first nonprofit in the county to get the grant to give Narcan away, saving lives. We were able to, because our, our person that runs our Narcan program, Renee DeAngelis, who was not able to be with us here today, have been able to get Narcan into the school system. So it's there. God forbid we need it. So far, we have not, and we hope we never have to. Uh, so we're busy in the community doing education, helping people in recovery in any way that we possibly can. And now uh, Kim, who's in my left, Kim Shatner, is the vice president of the Flagler County Drug Court Foundation, and I will let her talk. <laughs> so, Kim, tell us a little bit about yourself for people who haven't met you yet. Um, so I got involved with – I was actually working at an outpatient facility in Benal. And that's how I got my first interaction with uh, drug court. The clients that were a part of drug court had to come into this facility to do their outpatient. And um, when that job ended, um, Mr. Fahlbauer invited me to come (laughs) to some of the meetings um, and get involved, which I'm, you know, I'm in long-term recovery. I have seven and a half years clean. And uh, that's a big accomplishment. It is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's so, crazy so for people who don't know what drug court is who've never heard of it they've never been experienced it or known anyone who's been part of it tell them a little bit about how it got started and what it does if okay. you would yeah drug court started in south florida uh the late 90s i believe i don't have the exact date and it was it made a decision at that time that too many people were being sent to incarceration where they really needed treatment they were arrested for something that had to do with drugs or alcohol. Um, but they were people that were in a substance abuse. They weren't criminal criminals, okay? They might have been in a crime that got them involved there, but that crime was not in a criminal mindset. So the decision was made back then and uh, to start drug courts, which give people an opportunity to participate in a program, depending on each county, is a little bit different, but overall... Like here in our county, we're just a little over a year once they check in. As long as they complete everything they do, they they sit in front of the judge. They sit in front of the drug court coordinator. They have probation officers. They have treatment providers in the county to help them get through that. And many times, because it is uh, 18 and older here in our county, and many times those arrests are felony arrests, depending on what that was, if they complete successfully complete the program, the felony is wiped away. 
Um, so that could have a big impact on, on their future, though, right? Definitely. And definitely. And even those who maybe have other issues that it doesn't get wiped away because of something I don't quite understand, it still has a benefit to their future. If, if they can take the time, and Kim can relate to this more than I can, in this time frame to get their heads around not wanting to be in substance abuse any longer, um, it might not be what the benefit of the wipe away on the f- felony, but it'd be com- complete life changing. I think, you know, just being in recovery, one of the, I really related to someone when they said I never had a drug problem, I had a drug solution. And drug court helps people and get, A, get in recovery. You know, I, I use the 12-step program. It has helped me tremendously, like completely changed my way of thinking. And I never, especially in my active addiction, I never had any structure. Is that what it is? Yes. So when someone's like, well, what's, you know, drug court? And I'm like, it's like really, really intense probation period where you're held accountable for everything that you do. You know, you have to get a job. You have to go to your outpatient meetings. You also have to attend some type of outside 12-step or recovery meeting. I'm not going to say just 12-step because there are other avenues. Um, You know, you have to pay on your fines. and And if you don't do these things and stay clean... You know, you're going to be held accountable for your actions. And I think that, you know, that's just life. You know, you you can do whatever you want as long as you're willing to pay, you know, face the consequences. Now it's like if I get a job and I save all my money, the consequence of that is I'm going to have a really nice bank account. Right. You know, or if I don't, then I'm going to struggle financially or something. I don't know. That's the best way I can describe it. So when someone gives you the opportunity in the drug court system, I mean, is there, do you struggle to say, I have to stay clean? Or is it kind of like this epiphany where you're saying, wow, I have this whole other opportunity and I'm just, my whole other life, I'm leaving it behind. You know, how do you manage that? Um, when I first came to Flagler County, my main goal, because I came straight out of prison, and my main goal was to get off of paper, like I came out back to Florida on parole, and to gain a relationship with my kids. And I knew that neither of those things would be possible if I was continuing to use. And I would sometimes I'd be like, oh, my God, like this is so boring just sitting at my mom's house or, you know, or getting lost in my head. But um, – when I take a step back and actually look at how my life is, it's so much better without drugs. And not, don't get me wrong, my, I, the first time I came in, you know, first time I went to rehab, I was eight, 19 years old. And, you know, I would just go to meetings. I really wouldn't work a program. There's kind of a difference. Yeah. And um, it took a long time, a lot of heartache and a lot of, trials and a lot of and i'm not just talking about court trials because those were thrown in there too (laughs) but to realize that my life is better and i've learned some more coping skills on how because don't give me like life is there are really hard challenging times but i just do not use no matter what i use the resources 
And I've had to discover these things on my own. I didn't have a team of people like participants in drug court have. You know, they have all these people that are advocating for them and um, like that want, we want everyone to do good. And not just while they're in drug court, but after they graduate the program. Yeah. Kind of like getting them that foundation started so they can lift off, right? Yeah. Life doesn't stop at, at graduation. It really begins at graduation where you're not being held accountable by the court any longer. You're being held accountable by your own head. And you're, and you're helped to do that with the people that you've surrounded yourself, hopefully while you're in the recovery process, that you still stay with them, whether it's a 12-step program, whether it's a, a group at your church. It doesn't really matter. It's that fellowship of people that were there for you during it, and you need to stay with them afterwards. Uh, it's important. It's important. So do you think that drug court helps people build those new habits and that, that whole new structure? to Because you said you didn't have much structure. Um, do you think it, it helps us to do that? You know, you can uh, – yes, it does. It can. You, I'm a firm believer of, you know, what you put in is what you're going to get out. And, you know, some people are just going through the motions and and some people are actually putting the effort in to want to change their lives, you know, like. That's a long time to just go through the motions, though. I mean, by some point, it's got to start to stick, right? Well, it's still a decision. Now, I've been doing this for uh, 12 years. I've been associated with our drug court program here in the county. And initially, uh, a big percentage of the people coming into the program use it as a get-out-of-jail card, okay? They're in. They qualify based on uh, interviews that they've taken with our, our treatment provider and our drug court coordinator and the state's attorney, and they're told that you, if you'd like, you can come into this program and here are the benefits to you. Well, the first benefit is getting out of an orange uniform, okay, moving from the green roof into someplace else. <laughs> That's attractive. Um, it, and it sometimes takes some of those people two, three, or four months into the program to really get that decision made, you know what? This is actually good. I want to be. I want to be recovered. I want to be in the program. Others, quite frankly, I've seen them say, "Know that." Fourteen months later, they graduate. They've done what they needed to do, and the next day they're back out in the street again. Um, it, Kim will tell you, it's, it's, it boils down to a personal decision that this is what you want. And it's not unusual to have somebody go through many programs before the light finally goes off. Um, relapse, somebody relapsing uh, can be, they, what's the national average, about seven times from, from rehab to relapse before they finally get it for most people. Um, and I'm not talking about just, I, got, I needed something, a, a trigger hit me, and so I slipped and I used something that day, but, and, but I used the tools for the next day to get me back on track. I'll talk some, but it goes back into it. Um, Just full-blown back, back active addiction. Right. But it's a personal decision. Um, and it, the personal decision, when, if you've been in the program and not been using for 12, 14 months, the physical addiction is pretty much gone. If you pe- spent time in the recovery portion of it, the treatment, the decision-making time, that this is what you want for your life, you want to get back with your kids. And we're so blessed. We see this happen so often. 
where families get reunited, and it's 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 great. But you still have to have that extra reason that I don't want to go back. Okay, something in their head individually, and it's different for different people. I related to my old days when I was a smoker. I was two pack a day, and I quit six times, and I relapsed six times. But the seventh time, I had a reason other than what it said on the label that it was not good for my health. I knew I was going to have a family. And I said, I can't do to that child that's coming. But my dad, who was a great dad, World War II vets, they all came back addicted to cigarettes. I can't do what he did to me, which is all I saw him smoking all his life. So that gave me my personal reason. Kim, she wanted to get back with her kids. That was one of the things that helped her get to where she is today. And this young lady who's sitting next to me is not only the vice president of the Drug Corps Foundation, she's probably one of the more active people in our community, helping people in all areas of recovery all the time. She, she arrived here. She was running late because she was up in St. Augustine at Epic up there, helping out up there. She runs, uh, helps run several meetings here in town. It's her involvement, and she cares. That's what struck me so much uh, when we were talking at the event. I mean, you were willing to share your story, and it's not a, like, you know, some people are like, I don't want to tell people my story because I don't want them to look at me or, or know my stuff. And it was like, you're like, hey, this is what happened to me. This is how I fix my life, and, and this is how I'm helping and giving back. And it was like, this lady is amazing. Like, it was so <laughs> cool, and I was just like, you know, it, and more people need to be able to step forward because I think that will help destigmatize the whole situation. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about how we can help our community more. We'll be right back. Hey, who's taking care of your air conditioner? If you don't have somebody good, give me a call. My name's Kyle. I've been doing air conditioning in Flagler County for 13 years. I'm now with Quantum AC. We look forward to being your air conditioning company. If you haven't had a checkup in a while, you really should. Call Kyle's cell phone number anytime. Okay. I'm Joe Wright, Quantum AC, part of the Quantum family. 586-9039. I look forward to your call. 586-9039. Yes, absolutely. Palm Coast is blessed to have a company like this. Owners that care about not only about the community, but they care about hiring within Palm Coast and providing um, nice salaries for those that live here. And they, they really, truly invest back within. All right, so we're back with Flagler County Drug Court Foundation, and um, they're doing some amazing work here in the community. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are kind of out front and things like that, and these guys are flying under the radar. So it's really important that you kind of get to meet them and hear what they're doing. So we were just talking about education and the fact that you've expanded your, your vision. So tell us a little bit about that part. Okay, the expanding of the vision uh, came from a couple of our members, one being Renee DeAngelis, who you also met at the Walk Over the Bridge. Uh, Renee and her husband, Chip, lost a daughter to an overdose. And, but they took it as an opportunity at this point to try to make it so no one else has to do what they do. So how do we do that? Well, we have to educate people. Well, okay, Renee runs and heads up our Narcan group, 
And that's one of the ways that we hope to save people's lives. She educates people. She's one of the people that got, with a small group of us, got certified to teach about Narcan. Renee's the one that headed up the program to get the Narcan into the school system. Well, when you do those kind of programs, you, now you're sparking people's interest. Well, why are they doing it? What's it all about? So you're starting your education process of what's going on. And, and that's really what it boils down to. Our goal like Kim said at the walk over the bridge, is not to increase the circle of those who have lost lives, but to increase the circle of those who have come through this successfully and are into recovery, into long-term recovery, and are surviving it and, the, and putting families back together. It's just, and if I can be, I've been nicknamed the county antagonist. <laughs> That's okay. You know, somebody's got to rock and, and the county antagonist is going to tell your, your listeners out there something that maybe they have heard, maybe they haven't heard. The last three years, we have been between the, the fifth and tenth highest overdose county in the state of Florida based on population. At one point, when we were the fifth highest overdose, we were also the fifth overdose death county in the state. And... I want to point out to our public, it's not where they think. We're not watching some Hollywood movie that says all overdoses and druggies and all this other stuff are in some back alleys in New York, Chicago, L.A., it doesn't matter. No, it's in every neighborhood in our community. It and, and, and I know Renee, will, she doesn't mind me saying, her daughter overdosed when the person bringing into the drugs got into a guarded gated community. So it's not a back alley thing. It is in back alleys, right out in front. It's in every neighborhood, which means those highest rates of overdoses, okay, are in the highest population area of our county, which is Palm Coast. So it's not the average person thinks, oh, that's all happening in Benel or out in the western part of the county. No, it happens out there. But the majority of it is where the majority of the population is, and it's also where more of the money is. So we have to wake up our county. We're a beautiful place to live. You look outdoors today and how beautiful it is out there, but at the same time, there's people overdosing today. Right now. Right, right now. Just right now. And over 100,000 Americans have overdosed and died from the news fentanyl thing in this last year. And it's not shrinking, it's growing. The other thing the community has to understand is there has to be, as you mentioned, a destigmatization of people that are in substance abuse. If you really knew why they were there, what brought them into it, what kept them into it, you change your whole attitude. And I can tell you that I learned a lot in the last 12 years that I didn't understand when I first got involved. I didn't understand the disease portion of it. I always thought it would like let a lot of people, that's their choice. Let them suffer for it. No, it's not. What, 90 plus percent, do you think, Kim, are, are involved with drug, drug abuse because of trauma in their life? Absolutely. Okay, and the other 10% is probably because of the medical industry does. When they do give out drugs, they don't monitor it right. So it's not who you think it is. And our community needs to see that so they can get out there and be part of the solution, not part of the problem. If I tell you because you're using drugs, you're going to be no good for the rest of your life. You might as well just go out there and die. There ain't nothing good about you. After a while, and that's all you hear, that's what happens. You can't keep stigmatizing people that are going through a disease. I think it's just it for everything. You know, when I was come, when I was still in prison, and I told my mom, "Hey, when I come home, I'm, I need to start going to meetings." And she's like, "I don't think they have meetings here. There aren't people like that here." And it's just like that. 
blind, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I feel like there might be a lot of families out there suffering in silence because of that generation of we keep our problems within our home. Yes. I grew up in a house like that. Like you don't, you know, no one else needs to know what's going on in here. And so I never really fully learned to communicate my feelings. I didn't have a comfort level with inside my home to say, this is why I feel this way. Like I feel sad today. I feel anxious today. I feel mad or whatever. We just didn't talk about it. We didn't deal with it. And then I get around a certain type, you know, I get around some people who are my friends that finally accept me and they're like, Oh, here, try this, try this. It'll help you relax. And before I knew it, I was completely addicted. You know, I didn't even know what dope sickness was when I was going through it. I thought I legitimately had the the flu, you know? So like, what I would love for our foundation to do is gather people around and say, you know, have someone say, well, I heard this on the radio or I saw something on, you know, social media and I don't feel so alone anymore. Let me reach out to them, you know, and see what I can do. Even for kids. I mean, you know, it, 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 they're middle school kids, they're high school kids, and they're out there just trying to figure it out. And they're, they don't feel like they have anyone they can talk to. You know, how do we reach them? Well, we have to get into the school system with education. And it's not scare education. It's education. Uh, the scare tactics rarely work. Kids, if we were all remember and go back, if we can think back to those ages when we were there, we experimented with all kinds of stuff. It wasn't, we weren't thinking we were getting ourselves in trouble. Today, the danger, particularly now with the fentanyl crisis, is that those anxiety pills that you might have been taking somebody because you're taking your tests in school and you're blah, 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 they're fake. And they got fentanyl in them. And if it's not measured extremely right, okay, one dot more than it should be, you're dead. They're putting it in candy. Even they're, in marijuana. I mean, all, you just all the don't drugs even have it in it now. Right. Um, we uh, at first Friday last last week we heard we spoke to a, a pediatrics nurse and said you know if a young kid is in the pediatrics and they need the fentanyl, okay, how do they provide it in a lollipop? So now that kid comes out of that, and the and the and the people that are putting it in lollipops get it to that kid. The kids can say, oh, it's a lollipop, it's good, I can eat it. So you know uh, it, those kinds of things just drive me crazy. But the fact is, there's more overdoses now from people that are in substance abuse because of experimenting, because of those things, before, because of the fake pills and stuff. If we don't change the stigmatism, if we don't change our attitude, we're part of the problem. We're not part of the solution. We want to be part of the solution. How can you do that? Community. You can get a hold of me or Kim at any time. Uh, my phone number is 401-864-6997. My email is mfeldbauer, F-E-L-D-B-A-U-E-R, at gmail.com. You can reach me. I'm not private. Kim, Kim can do the same thing. We have events coming up because everything that we do for the participants costs money. And we're a 100% volunteer organization. So we have a couple of fundraisers a year. We have one coming up October 14th. It's called the Ride for Recovery. Motorcycles, four-wheeled vehicles and stuff. We're going to meet at the Texas Roadhouse Restaurant early on the 14th at 8.30, 9.30. They're going to take off in different routes. They're going to arrive out at the at the 2K Ranch out in the western part of the county at around 11.30. We've got a pig roast. We have somebody coming that's, that's put an, an, uh, an axe-throwing booth together, a paintball range together, all kinds of vendors and, and fun activity for, for the entire family. 
Good, clean fun. That's it. No alcohol, no drugs. And, you know, that's the thing is and, people and, forget they can have fun without alcohol and without drugs. Yep. I had to learn how to have fun. I had no idea what I thought was fun anymore because I know locking myself in a bathroom <laughs> Mm-hmm. For hours, definitely was not fun anymore. It's weird. You kind of forget how to have fun. Yeah. Well, that's what recovery taught me. <laughs> I had to forget everything I knew and remember everything I forgot. Again, I was blessed with some of the stuff. My daughter's adopted. Uh, she was five days old when she came came into our arms. She's now 40, even though she probably won't listen to this and want to hear that. <laughs> um, but when we got her family history, all four grandparents were, were members of AA. So we weren't big drinkers, but we made a decision at that point, no alcohol in our house. She's going to learn to grow up and be able to enjoy life without it. Good for her. Which is some of the things that we have to teach some of the people that have been in substance use. Your family, they're going to do what they see you. So you have to learn that's part of that process. Part of your recovery is, is reaching back and helping your family, your kids, neighbors, whatever it is. What I'm looking for, if, if I can give a commercial, okay, for our Ride for Recovery, we're looking for sponsors. We need sponsors to help pay for the event, okay? Is it free, or are there tickets? There are tickets. Uh, but for motorcycle rides, people don't buy their ticket until that morning. Right. So we never know how many people. But, yeah, for for a rider or or driver, it's $30, which includes their meal. If they have passengers, passengers are $15, just to cover the cost of the food and stuff like that. So, But the majority of the money actually, quite frankly, comes in from vendors, uh, from sponsors who help pay for putting this all together. So that's one thing. And we do have that available and they can contact us and we'll send out the, that information. We're also working on a new project. Putting fundraisers together for a group like we are is difficult. Most of our people work on a regular basis. So having time to go out and knock on a bunch of doors is sometimes a little difficult to do. So what do we do? So we came up with an idea since we give Narcan away if we could come up with, let's say, as an example, 100 Flagler County businesses that would commit to $10 a month, $120 a year, that would take care of most of our current fundraising. Recurring gifts. Recurring gifts. I had the first one says, I'm just going to give you the 120 all at once. But you can do it any way you want. But 100 times 120 is $12,000. That's more than we gather for our two Fundraisers. fundraisers a year. That way we can concentrate on the fundraising still being there, but costs reduced to the people participating because we want to get, again, more community members coming to these fundraisers for the education of what's going on. And saving lives. Is there a website people can go to to find out more? The best thing is to go to our, our Facebook page. Okay. The Flagler County Drug Court Foundation Facebook page has most of that information on it. Uh, again, uh, I'll repeat at the end my, my phone and, and email if they want. I can send them out the information on it. So getting if you're out there and you're a business person or just a person that cares, if you feel you can commit to $10 a month or 120 a year, that is going to be super and very helpful to us. Remembering we're a 100% volunteer organization, so all the money goes to help the participants and train our volunteers. Those so, are the two think the two areas that they go to. So remember, you can go to the Facebook page for Flagler County Drug Court Foundation. Yep, uh, all Mike's information is there, and he will be happy to sit down and talk with you. And Kim will help you too. And um, remember, October fourteenth, October fourteenth, Texas Roadhouse, starting at eight a.m. 
830 for registration, 930 for what we call kickstands up or wheels rolling. All right. So depending on what type of vehicle you're going to be doing. If you're a bicyclist and don't mind ride, driving a long way, you're still welcome to come. <laughs> if, if you're not either and you just want to come out for the afternoon, we're welcome you to come out and do that. And you just pay the same fees, but you don't have to do the ride. So it's, 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 it's all that. And I'm going to finish with the last thing that we're looking for. We need volunteers, people with a heart to care about people that are in recovery. Those are the people we're looking for. If you're around next month, the second Tuesday of the month, we have our monthly meeting. We go to various restaurants in the community. We'll announce it at that point. So get a hold of us then, and we'll put you on the list for the invite. So make sure you check out Facebook page because that's where it's at. You got it. All right. Thanks for coming in, you guys, and um, we'll look forward to seeing everything on October 14th. Thank, thank you. you. We hope you're there. Yeah. So uh, thank you to Coastal Cloud, Joe Wright, and the Quantum Family of Businesses, WNZF News Radio, and Flagler News Weekly for sponsoring the show. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you next weekend. 